Good morning. Buenos dias. Robert Carrillo here from Metro Vision Studios. Good morning. It's uh, Tuesday morning, uh, March 31st. Wow, tomorrow's uh, April Fool's Day. Um, lots happened over the last couple of days. Uh, just a lot going on in our world. And and, and uh, I know that we have uh, been staying closer together and keeping in contact and encouraging one another. And that's been great to hear. I'm getting uh, emails and messages and notes from during the during the uh, the broadcast and then afterwards, and just it's great to hear from everybody. Thank you for saying hello. Thank you for the notes of encouragement and and even some ideas that have been sent over. And I'm very grateful for that. Um, you know, there's so much happening in our world. It's just great to be connected, to be praying for each other, uh, and let's especially keep. Those of us who are out there serving, whether it's in the food service or some other necessary thing that's out there happening, and especially those of us who are in the medical field, let's keep praying for all our doctors and nurses and medical teams out there serving, that they stay safe and uh, that God would be able to just surround them with angels and and protect them. And uh, speaking of protection... Uh, I'm excited about today's lesson. It's uh, it's the story. Uh, I'm calling it the Three Amigos. Uh, really, there's four, but uh, but uh, today's uh, today's study is going to highlight and focus on the Three Amigos. And of course, those the four are Daniel, and the three are Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Um, and of course, uh, you know they're probably better known by most of us as simply uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, it's a classic story, a story that we, we usually hear as children in Sunday school, um, but it's it's a fantastic story of faith, and faith over fear, you know, and faith being uh, the victory. Uh, always, you know, I, I want to point out one thing before we get into the stories, is names are important, you know. I want to back up for a second to... Uh, uh, let's see, back up to the the titles, the names. You know, Daniel, God is judge. And of course, um, God uses Daniel really in a lot of ways to judge kings. Um, he's He serves multiple kings and does that in a great way. Hananiah means God is gracious. Mishael means uh, who is like God. That's the same name as uh, Michael or Michelle. Yeah, Mishael. And then Azariah, uh, God is help. God is our help. Um, and, you know, whenever you see these names, it always, it's always good to stop and think, okay, how does that fit into this story? Because because names aren't accidental, you know, and names are a big deal in the Bible. And, in fact, uh, we even notice that Jesus changes people's names, you know. Um, and there's, so there's lots of name changing in the Bible simply for that, for that reason to fit the person, you know, so, uh, whether it's, um, Peter going from Simon to Peter, um, you know, John becomes the apostle of love, the, 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 uh, well, I guess it's not him change, but, but, uh, Saul becomes Paul and, and, uh, there's just a lot of great stories in there where, where the names are important, you know, they significant, they mean something. So we'll see that as we read the study, but of course their names are changed to Chaldean names. Um, interesting thing is, uh, the town I just moved from in El Cajon, California, has the largest Chaldean population in the United States. 
um, lots of Chaldean churches and um, it's just incredible. <laughs> they're still around. There's still a people. There's still the culture and probably a couple of Chaldeans watching this. And, you know, here's to you. <laughs> For your people making it through thousands of years. Um, so we know them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the background of the story uh, is simply that, um, again, we're, we're, we're in the exile period where, when, um, well, we'll read it right there in Daniel chapter 1. It says, Verse 1, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, okay, Israel had already been wiped out, taken away, and now there's, remember, there was two kingdoms. Uh, I'm going to do a video of just a quick history of the Bible, so so you can kind of place things. But um, anyways, uh, 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 so, so there's Israel, Judah, Israel gets taken away. Now Judah gets taken away. Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands. Notice that the Lord delivered him into his hands. You know, one of the one of the really important lessons with that whole thing that happened was that the people of Jerusalem just thought that nobody can touch them because God is their God. And but the problem is they had drifted away from God. They were prideful about being God's people, but they weren't close to God anymore. This is where we, you know, we hear things like you worship me in vain, but your hearts are far from me. Um, this is where ever hearing, but never understanding, ever seeing, but never perceiving. They had just drifted from God. So it's an important lesson there. You know, when when um, when they were told that this was going to happen to them, they denied it. They didn't want to believe it. They didn't want to believe Jeremiah. They didn't want to believe the prophets uh, because they thought, no, we're God's people. We're safe. Uh, you know, Bible says, you who stand, take heed lest you fall, right? So anyways, so they, they the, the, so so God delivers Jehoiakim into Nebuchadnezzar's hands. And it says, along with some of the articles from the temple of God, these he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. So Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, comes, takes over Jerusalem, takes a bunch of the stuff from the temple, takes the royal family, which was, as we said already, the custom. You know, yesterday we heard about uh, Esther or Esther, and, or Hadassah was her real name. Just just like these guys, she had a Jewish name and then was given uh, uh, a foreign name to her city, to Susa, to Persia. And, and that name is Esther, which is actually the same name as Ishtar, the goddess. Uh, they were oftentimes given, you know, strange names according to the land that they were carried off to. So they get hauled off, and um, and we read about in um, chapter 3, it says, The king gave Ashpenaz an order. Ashpenaz was the chief of Nebuchadnezzar's court officials. The king told him to bring him some of the Israelites. The king wanted them to serve him in his court. He wanted nobles and men from royal family. Okay, and you have to remember that royalty thought that they were genetically, physically, spiritually in every way possible superior so it made sense that so you have these superior beings i'm going to have them serve me you know and 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 that's a couple things one it just shows that you're the superior of the superiors but also you take advantage of using people who've who are supposedly superior now we know later that there's no difference between royalty and common people that were all genetically the same but there was a difference in the sense that the rich, as often is the case, are the ones that were fed the best, that were were taken care of the best, where they were physically the best, the best health, educated the best, had the most training. 
So they, they are, of course, set up to win their royal families. So that's why they would use them, right? Because they're, they're the best. And he says, he was looking for young men who were healthy and handsome. They had to be able to learn anything. They had to be well-educated. They had to have the ability to understand new things quickly and easily. The king wanted men who could serve in his palace. Ashpenaz was supposed to teach them the Babylonian language and writings. The king had his servants give them food and wine from his own table. They received a certain amount every day. The young men had to be trained for three years. After that, they could begin to serve the king. So in a lot of ways, this is like this is like a precursor to a campus ministry here. The guys who did the best in school, and of course, in this, and it's not just the men, it's also women, as we knew from the story of Esther. Um, but these guys, they had to be educated, they had to be smart. Interesting, they had to be good learners. They had to be able to learn anything. And, and that's who he wants serving him. Uh, you could actually do a whole study on leadership just in this, but that's how we, that's how uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego end up in the king's service. One of the cool stories we don't, we, we're not going to go into right now, but in, at the very beginning of the book of Daniel, Daniel tells them, look, you know, we're Jews. Let us eat our diet. Let us eat a healthy diet. And at that point, he says, just water and vegetables. And they don't want to let him do that because, especially because Ashpenaz is responsible for them. But he says, look, in 10 days, if we don't look better, then we'll go back and eat your food. But if we look better, if we look healthy, then let us eat our own diet. And he does. And of course, 10 days later, they look great. They're doing fantastic. They've been doing, uh, you know, Hollywood detox and, 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 uh, looking good, skins glowing and all that kind of stuff. So, so he lets them stay there. Now that, that, that's your first kind of little inkling of, okay, these guys are really different. These are not the same as everyone else. And they, they, they stand above everybody. They're different. They're not like everybody, which is always how God's people are. We're different. We're not like everybody. We're not supposed to be like everybody, which is kind of hard sometimes because everybody wants to blend a certain amount. Yeah, I know. We all want our individuality. We all want our own style. And, and you know, we all want to look a little different. So we'll do something a little bit different to show our style. You know, we have our combination of clothes or our combination of hairdo or hairway or whatever we're all losing our style right now because we're not going to barbers and i'm i'm going long hair after my hair gets so long i, I uh, uh, then i'll just never mind i'm drifting so anyways they're standing out they're 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 already noted to be different shadrach meshach abednego and daniel and then something happens t- to snag them and as is often the case, first in, you know, in chapter two, we, we find out Daniel's able to interpret a dream. And now Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are separate. And the king builds a statue made of gold for everybody to worship him. And verse seven, um, well, the rule was that when, when the trumpets and the lyres and the zithers and all whatever the instruments are, everybody's supposed to bow down to this statue of gold and of course um jews aren't going to do this and that's why that's why mordecai got in trouble because he's not going to bow down to a man um and these guys are about to get in trouble for the same thing daniel chapter three all the people heard the sound of the horns and the flutes they heard the zithers and the lyres and the harps and the other musical instruments and as soon as they did they fell down and worshiped nebuchadnezzar's gold statue 
They were people from all nations, no matter what language they spoke. And you have to know that this, these are, you know, that this, this was the greatest empire in the world at the time. And they would bring in people from all over the world to serve. And it was a classic thing to do was to displace people because it takes their authority and their power away when you, when you pack them all up and move them to another place. Um, you know, it, like any immigrant, they have to rebuild from the ground up. So they're weakened. So that, that allows the Babylonians or whatever empire to control them, you know, rather than leaving them in Jerusalem or in Israel where they might rebuild their walls and, and stuff. And that's going to happen later. But, but this would be true of all the empires. So, so now here they are all living in Babylon and he builds this gold statue. Everybody bows down from all over the world, except guess who? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We don't hear about Daniel, so maybe let's just assume Daniel was traveling or, or away. But, but these three guys are there. And everybody, in fact, it actually says everybody did except them. That's to say even their own people, even some Jews, must have been bowing down. Because later on it's pointed out that they're the only ones that wouldn't and didn't. And you really see their conviction because obviously as a royal family, obviously in the royal palace, in the service of the king, they know the danger. They they know what that means. So um, then of course, as is always the case, Satan always provides somebody to get godly people in trouble. So in this case, it's the astrologers. They come in and, and by the way, just to note it, there's a difference between astronomy and astrologers. Astronomy is the study, you know, of, of space and the universe. Astrologer, astrology is more religion. It's more interpreting signs and stars and things like that, which generally in the Bible is considered witchcraft. Um, and has always had an enmity with, with, uh, God's religion, God's people. So anyways, in this case here, they denounce the Jews and they get the Jews in trouble. So we're going to jump into verse 13. It says, Nebuchadnezzar, this is the king again, was very angry. He sent for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, so they were brought to him. The king said to them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is what I heard about you true? Don't you serve my gods? Don't you worship the gold statue I set up? You will hear the horns and the zithers and the lyres and the harps and the pipes and the musical instruments when you do fall down and worship the statue I made. If you will, that's very good. But if you won't, you will be thrown at once into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to save you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, and listen carefully to how they respond. They replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to talk about this anymore. We might be thrown into the blazing furnace. But the God we serve is able to bring us out of it alive. He will save us from your power. But we want you to know this, your majesty. Even if we knew that our God wouldn't save us, we will. We still wouldn't serve your gods. We wouldn't worship the gold statue you set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was was very angry with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, again, you got to know, they, they fully understand the consequences here. I mean, you want to talk about scary. 
This is, look, you either do this and live or you do, don't do it and you die. Now, of course, if you die, that probably means your family dies, your children die, your grandchildren die, and everybody you care about dies too. I mean, this isn't, this is, this is, this is bad. This is just bold rebellion against the king. And look at the confidence they speak with. They're like, look, we, we know we're going to get thrown into the fiery furnace, but let, let us just tell you right now, one, our God can save us. Two, even if he doesn't, we're still not going to do this. Even if he does not save us, we're not bowing down to worship you and or your statue. Their confidence is absolute. Now, you know, we don't know. I mean, they they may have been feeling scared inside. They may have been crying out to God all night. They may have been they they may have been super worried about this before. But at the moment of confrontation, at the moment of do or die, they're strong. I suspect they spent a lot of time in prayer and probably time in fasting, just like Daniel does later. I suspect that they're 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 walking with God, and that's where they get so much strength. So we keep reading. I'll read verse 19 again. Then Nebuchadnezzar was very angry with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The the, the look on his face changed, and he ordered that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. He also gave some of the the strongest soldiers in his army a command. He ordered them to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then he told his men to throw them into the blazing furnace. So they were tied up. Then they were thrown into the furnace. They were wearing their robes, pants, turbans, and other clothes. The king's command was carried out quickly. The furnace was so hot that its flames killed the soldiers who threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into it. So the three men were firmly tied up. They fell into the blazing furnace. Then the king Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet. He was so amazing. He was so amazed and he asked his advisors, didn't we tie up three men? Didn't we throw three men into the fire? And they replied, yes, we did, your majesty. The king said, look, I see four men walking around the fire. They aren't tied up and the fire hasn't even harmed them. The fourth man looks like the son of the gods. Then the king approached the opening of the blazing furnace and he shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, come out. You who serve the most high God, come here. So they came out of the fire. The royal rulers, high officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire hadn't harmed their bodies. Not one hair on their head was was burned. Their robes weren't burned either, and they didn't even smell like smoke. I mean, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta love this scene. You know, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, I mean, he's just angry. He's like, these guys are so defiant. They're so prideful. They're so stubborn. They won't just simply bow down and worship. And, and, you know, a lot of times people just, it's like, what's a big deal? What's a little sin? What's a little, uh, you know, looking the other way? What's a little bending with, with, with the will of the people? And can't we just do this? And it's not that big a deal. But, you see that that when challenges are toughest, when the price is highest, when the in one sense that's the darkest moment and the most challenging moment of our life, when we're tempted and we stay strong, that terrible moment becomes our finest hour. 
I mean, this gets recorded in history for for us to 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 listen to and read about 2500 years later we're reading about Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and how how courageous they were and how deep their convictions were and I, and I love it cuz he looks and he sees this blazing furnace and he sees four people in there and of course you know who do we think that is the one who looks like the son of a god yeah exactly right there's four in there and, and, and they're dancing around and, you know, I don't know what kind of dance they're doing, but, but they're dancing around and, and Nebuchadnezzar is just blown away. The most powerful man in the world. He is absolutely blown away. Notice he says, you, he says, you, you who call him the most high God. Now he's, he's recognizing their God, the strength of their God, who is, by the way, our God, uh, the same God we pray to. And, and they come out and you, and you love it because it says the, the hair is not singed. The clothes doesn't smell like smoke. I mean, little details that you'd only get if you were there, right? That you would only notice if you were there. And those details, Hey, they don't even smell like smoke. They just came out of a furnace. I mean, I clean the fireplace and I smell like smoke and the whole house smells like charcoal. And, and here they come out of this and they're, they're looking fresh and clean and good. And then, and then it says, um, then Nebuchadnezzar said, may the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be praised. He has sent his angel and saved his servants. They trusted in him. And that's really, you know, that's, that's our lesson today is to keep trusting God. You know, it's set up right because they were set up to win. Why? Because they had personal conviction, conviction on their own, not conviction as a people, because even when their people gave in, they did not. Even when their brothers around them gave in to sin, they did not. Even when all the peer pressure was on them, they would not buckle. Why? Because they had their own faith. You know, the church is incredibly important. And the Bible teaches that no one can say, I don't need you in the church, right? First Corinthians 15 can't say, I don't need you or the, or, or 12 actually, because it's a body and we're all part of it, right? And it's incredibly important. And especially right now that we keep in contact, that we encourage one another, that we're, we're there for each other, that we have a network of, relationships. I mean, right in the times like now, you really, really, really see the importance of relationships. But as important as it is, bottom line, we stand before God by ourselves. We are judged by ourselves. We're not judged as a group. We, we, we stand before the Lord on our own merits. He does not judge us by what people do around us. He judges us by what we do. It's, it's what we do that he looks at, not what others do. They have their own convictions. The question is not, what does your church believe? The question is, what do you believe? What's your faith? What would you stand for, fight for, die for? What would you lay down your life for? Would you, yeah, we know there's been thousands of martyrs who died for Jesus. But the question is, would you? You know, is this your faith? Is this, and that's, that's why they sailed through that test, so to speak. That's why they, 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 they triumphed here because 
They had their own convictions. It wasn't like, well, I guess we, you know, we've all just messed up, so let's just, you know, oh well. No. They're God's men and they stood by God. So that's the that's the backdrop. That's the ground this all stands on. But the point of this, and I think the, the key lesson here is in that last phrase, they trusted him. Nebuchadnezzar saw that. They really trust their God. And remember, trust is at the heart of faith. Faith is trusting God, trusting him. Faith is, it's more than just believing in him. It's trusting him. They trusted him. They said, look, we know our God can save us, but even if he doesn't, it doesn't matter. We're not doing wrong. And and I love that because it's not a cop-out. It's not a cop-out to say, oh, well, what if he doesn't? Then so what? No, no, they just, they trusted God's heart that he doesn't do everything we ask because there's some things we ask that aren't right and aren't good. And 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 I trust him to know that there's sometimes he's not going to answer certain prayers. He's not going to take away certain things that I ask him to take away or eliminate things that I ask him to eliminate. And that's okay. It's amazing how we'll pray for, you know, the world will pray for all these people and we, and we can argue God is just and fair and God is good. But then when somebody we love gets sick and dies or somebody, something close to us happens that's really bad, then we turn on God. And it's because he didn't meet my specific requests or my specific needs. And he didn't change the universe and its laws for me. All of a sudden we get angry at God or we decide to stop believing in him. You know, and uh, and I think that, you know, when our faith is weak, it doesn't take much to knock it out. You know, one tragedy, one hardship, one prayer denied, one difficult time, and we start questioning God's existence or questioning his love or questioning. And But we're perfectly fine with it when it's other people in the hospital and other people suffering, but when it's somebody we care about, and that's that is that just shows a real shallow faith in God that we God is either good or he's not. He's not good to some and not good to others. He's not good to righteous with a few but unrighteous with God is what he is and he's unchanging. He is good to all, he is righteous with all. He loves everybody and he treats everybody fairly. Now does he say, "Well, what about his special people?" He does have his children which he which he walks with because they walk with him. And so there's a special relationship there. And that is what we claim and that is what we go for. But God is not unjust. God is not unfair. He loves everybody. And we have to remember that always. We talked a lot about that on on Sunday, but they trusted him. They trusted him with their lives. They trusted him with the promises. They trusted him with their future. They trusted him that there's an afterlife that it doesn't end with death, that there's more to it than this. And at the end of it, what they clearly believe and what we need to clearly believe and learn from them is to have that personal conviction, God is good. God is righteous. He's just. He's fair. He's holy. God is love, and he loves me. And we have to know that, we have to believe that, and we have to trust that even through the tough times that are ahead of us. 
it's it's easy to believe that when things are going great and easy. It's a little harder when things are going tough, but that's when it's even more important. And that's why we need to keep our eyes on God and our eyes on the scriptures. So I close out with this. Um, this um, I'm offered this as our memory scripture for the week. I'm giving you a really easy one. We had a couple of tough ones. We had Psalm 23, and then last week we had Exodus 15 too, and I apologize, we didn't go over it. Um, but uh, we got 1 Peter 5, 7 here. Um, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. It takes about five minutes to memorize that one. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Oh, you got it memorized. 1 Peter 5, 7. And it's a good one to just say it five or six or seven or eight or nine or ten times a day, especially in the next few weeks. Thank you for listening. Thanks for joining. Uh, I hope we had a, I hope this has been helpful to you. Uh, again, greetings to everybody out there. Thank you for sending messages and, and especially thank you for the encouragement. You know, I, I'm committed to doing this as long as I think it's really helpful and making a difference. And hearing from you guys is very encouraging. Helps me to know that, um, that the time is well spent. So love you all. Greetings to all of you, family, friends, co-workers, grandparents, cousins, Aunt Mary in Maine, and everybody else. We love you, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow.